0: Saken by a tree
1: Quite a fresh morning this morning, isn't it? Plenty of rain outside. Give you all a good wash anyway on the way in. (laughs) Uh, You're very welcome to our service this morning, and anyone indeed who's watching online uh, is very welcome also to join us. Uh, I've got a few announcements this morning. you have to uh, bear with me. Uh, Just a wee reminder about the committee election. Uh, Today is the last day for any comments on the voters list and if you have anything that you want to point out or complain about, uh, please come to me. Uh, The opportunity to vote will be available on the following Sundays, the 20th of March, the 27th of March, and the 3rd of April. Voting papers will be available in the vestibule, and the voting process will close at 12.30pm on the 3rd of April. And it's hoped to announce details of the new committee uh, to the congregation on Sunday, the 10th of April. Again, just a reminder of the Ukraine appeal. Um, The moderator of the General Assembly has made an appeal to the Presbyterian Church, as you know, in Ireland, to help tear fund and Christian aid as they try to deal with the horrific suffering of the people of Ukraine. It's a very terrible time and an awful time. And what we're seeing on our screens, uh, the suffering, especially with the children, uh, in now what is a war-stricken land, we just want to encourage you, if you can, Uh, to give. There there are wee envelopes that we're going to extend it till next week. So, the envelopes will be available today to hand in or next week as well. Uh, So, uh, thank you very much for your generosity. I know we seem to be asking for a lot of money lately, um, but we just really do appreciate your generosity. I just could ask you the, uh, for the session on the committee. There's a wee emergency meeting of session and committee just straight after the service. Uh, could you just stay behind, please? Also, Karen Cardy does a, an excellent job with the BB and the Girls' Auxiliary, and uh, she desperately needs some male uh, help, some male leaders, uh, people that may be able to train to be officers. There's training online. I think it just takes three hours but uh, we'd really take the weight off Karen's shoulders. She's been doing it and bearing it a lot. Um, She loves the kids, that just comes across. She loves the kids and it would be really great if we could have some male officers there to help her. Okay, total including the gift aid for, for Peru and Rwanda, the quiz, that was online a number of weeks ago. The amount came to eight hundred and fifty-seven pounds and twenty-eight pence. And just a reminder, also the committee meeting on Tuesday, the twenty-second of March, is coming up. That'll be at half past seven. Uh, those are all the announcements. Uh, let me just start our service this morning um, with First Peter five, verse six. Peter says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's
2: mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Let's pray. Father, it's when we come under your hand, when we
1: bow in your presence, when we, Lord, come close to you, that we recognize just how holy and set apart you are and how unholy we are. Lord, how pure you are, and how sin-stained we are. We thank you, Father, that that Jesus Christ died, that our sins might be atoned for, that, Lord, we might know that thrill and excitement and encouragement of having our sins cleansed and a fresh start offered to us. Father, I pray, forgive our sins, Father, of this past week, Father, that that maybe would get in the way of us worshipping you, maybe would get in the way, Lord, of us coming closer to you. I pray, forgive us. We thank you, Lord, that where sin is great, your mercy is more. We pray, Lord, that you should be with us this morning, that you would come and move in heart to heart and seat to seat. You know the people's needs here today, Lord. I pray, Lord, touch them. But Lord, I pray that as we come to worship you, may we put a, a smile on your face. May we honour you in our wholehearted worship this morning. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. We're going to stand, we're going to sing, we oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. I, I discovered this song, there's a couple of songs I discovered over lockdown, and this was one of them. And I played it nearly every day
2: over lockdown. I love this song. So let's stand and worship God.
1: From one extreme of amazing praise to the other, I'm going to read Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 1, verses 1 to 9. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 1 to 9. It's uh, Solomon, King Solomon, wrote this uh, book for his sons. The words of the teacher, son of David, king of Jerusalem meaninglessness, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What does man gain from all his labor at which he toils under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north, and round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its full of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. And this is the word of God. So, listen, I'm going to come down here. I want to have a wee seat here. It's more comfortable. Uh, have we seat down here. I want to tell you a story, a true story this morning, about a man called Larry Walters. Now, Larry Walters lived in Los Angeles, and very close to the airport, and he worked as a truck driver during the week, and his life just became very monotonous, and he started to wonder about life. Is there any excitement in it, any purpose? A bit like Solomon in Ecclesiastes. And... Uh, he sat there, he loved to come home and he would settle down for the weekend outside in his garden chair and he used to sit in his garden with, he loved Pepsi, so he had a can of Pepsi and he had peanut butter sandwiches, don't need to worry, nobody, in case anybody's allergic, I don't have actual peanut butter in this, <laughs> but peanut butter sandwiches were his favourite and he used to come out in the sunshine in Los Angeles and sit and look and dream about I wonder what it would feel like to be able to fly in this chair. I wonder, I'd love to be able to fly up in this chair and look out over the whole neighborhood and see what the neighbors have in their gardens and see everybody's houses from about 100 feet up. So he decided one day he was really, really bored. He decided, right, I'm gonna do this. So he went out and he bought 45 weather balloons, which are a bit stronger than ordinary balloons. And uh, he bought, uh, he bought a big gas cylinder of helium, and he, he got a wee a wee pellet gun. So what he did was he, he got a rope as well, and he tied the chair to, to to like tent pegs in in the ground, and then he blew up his 45 weather balloons and tied them to the chair and then he got his little pellet gun because he thought if I take off here and I need to come back down again I can shoot the balloons and I'll simply come back down again and he got everything ready, he got his Pepsi he got his peanut butter sandwiches to take with him and he was all set so he told his neighbours who he had pre-arranged with them, he had said listen, when I tell you to, to cut the ropes, just cut the ropes so he goes one, two, three, everything's ready Pepsi peanut butter, little pellet gun, all ready to go. Cut the ropes. So they cut the ropes, and instead of going 100 feet in the air, he went 11,000 feet in the air. He just zoomed up, and the gun was no use because he was clinging on for dear life onto the chair, And so he's floating about, and this is a true story. Look it up on YouTube if you want, but he went up 11,000 feet, and he's sitting there, terrified. And as I said, he's near the airport. So just as he was floating about in the air, suddenly this plane, this DC-10 passenger liner, came along beside him. And everybody's looking out at this guy in his chair. You know, want a sandwich. (laughs) Everybody's looking out at this guy in the chair. And the captain radioed to the airport and said, Listen, I have just seen a man in a garden chair floating past me at 11,000 feet. And they said, Well, Captain so-and-so, will you please come straight to the office When you get here, they're concerned that he's drinking, you see. So the captain went down and went in and they got a a helicopter to go and check to see if there was a man floating about and they found him. And eventually they managed to bring him down slowly into the airport. By the time he arrived, there was the fire engines, there were the police, there there was uh, reporters And when they eventually got him in, they asked him, what on earth did you do that for? And he said, well, you just can't sit there. That's all he said. You just can't sit there. He was sitting there every week and he was so bored with his life and feeling a bit like Solomon. This is meaningless. And uh, he just said, I had to do something to excite me a wee bit, to lift me a wee bit. You know, Solomon talks right throughout that book. It's... The most depressing book in the whole Bible. And he talks an awful lot about life being meaningless. He says, Vanity all is vanity. He's saying it's superficial. And he's talking about this for a long, long time. And it's very depressing. And he keeps using the phrase under the sun. Everything that's under the sun, it has no meaning. It's not meaningful under the sun. And a number of times he just uses this phrase, under the sun, under the sun, under the sun. But Solomon, he was one of the richest kings ever. He could try anything and everything. He had the money for it. And he kept going, I've tried this, I've tried that, I've tried something else, I've been there, done that, and it's meaningless, under the sun. But what he comes to realize and what Scripture comes to realize, we come to realize through Scripture is that he who is above the sun, i.e. God himself, is the one that brings meaning to our lives. He brings meaning for us to get up in the morning. He gives meaning to our going to school, going to work. He brings meaning to our relationships. And it's the one who's above the sun that brings so much meaning and can bring excitement. Is there anything more exciting than seeing God answer prayer in your life? I remember as a child, I used to have this wee book and I'd write down what I prayed on one side and I'd flip it over the other side when the prayers were answered and I'd write down the answers so that later on you could go and look back and see where God had answered. That's exciting. It's exciting to know that God has your day It might be rainy, it might be cold, it might be miserable outside, but God has your day in his hands and you can experience him. That's exciting. Under the sun, without God, life is meaningless. But God brings meaning into every aspect, even into the most boring areas of our lives. God brings meaning and purpose and life. Jesus said... John 10 verse 10, I came that you might have life, not boredom, I came that you have life and that you have it with an all abundance. So I'm gonna ask you, Amy's gonna do actions. Uh, Hey, Jesus loves me, so I'd like you to go along with her and and learn this, This it's a song maybe that you don't know, it's a song I have to learn, so let's all do it together. And thanks, Amy, for going to do this. Thank you very much. That got just dried out a wee bit. (laughs) Okay, we're going to now uh, take time to pray uh, for Ukraine and uh, for the people there and for those that have left Ukraine, as you've seen on your television sets, Uh, two million, and uh, it's quite a crisis situation. So let's let's take time to just settle our hearts
2: and to pray. Lord, you say those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength.
1: They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall walk and not faint. They shall run and not be weary. And Father, the truth of that may seem very far away for some of the people in Ukraine at the moment who feel maybe that their their wings have been broken, that feel that their freedoms have been taken, that have had to say goodbye to loved ones and goodbye to their homes, Father, maybe forever. And Father, just the emotion, we find it hard to understand, Lord, the pain in that. And uh, Father, it's been difficult and we pray, Lord, for the parents who are looking out for their children and just wanting the best for them and wanting them to see them fed, wanting them to be warm enough at night and to have enough water and to be somewhere where they can put their heads down and feel safe in their home at night. But yet, Father, some are lying in basements and some are in different homes, unfamiliar homes, and some are on the streets or in refugee camps, and it's very different to what they've been used to before. And God, it's very anxious, a very anxious time for parents. And Lord, for the children, we pray for the children. Lord, who simply don't understand lord why people would want to hurt one another like this they don't understand where it's coming from lord they they maybe fall out with a friend and their parents say right go and make it up again but father for this type of thing it just does they don't understand and it does seem insane and we just pray god that you'd be with those little children And God, as they cuddle into their mum's and dad's arms at night, I pray, God, give them that sense of safety, that sense of being at home because their parents are there. And Lord, I pray, Father, that you would take their wee minds and guard their wee minds. And Lord, we pray that, Lord, you you give a, a sense of peace there in their minds, Father. I pray, Lord, that... They might even have a wee bit of fun, Lord, um, to lighten just the heavy load that they, those people are bearing. Lord, we pray for those missions, uh, Christian Aid, Tear Fund, St. Martin's Purse, all of those missions, Lord, and more who are trying their best to bring some sort of help, Lord, that they can into a, a, just a, a, a terrible, terrible situation. We pray, God, they must, be, they must be exhausted. Father, we just pray that you would renew their strength daily, that you would keep them going, that the aid might get through, that the help might get through, that the love of Jesus Christ in all of those practical things, in supplying water and supplying food and supplying clothing and supplying blankets and supplying homes, that the love of Christ might come through that they might know that you truly are a God who loves them. And out of this, Lord, a God who sees them, sees where they are,
2: and out of this, you can bring good, Father. You can bring good. And we pray that you do bring good. Bring the
1: best out of this, Lord. Take a situation which is dark and dismal
2: and bring the best out of it. Bring blessing out of it. Lord, we pray for the church there as well, who, um,
1: who, are, who are really struggling at the moment as well. We pray that you would encourage them with your word, that you would nourish them with your word, that you would, that you would just put your hand upon them And may they indeed know blessing even in this dark situation.
2: We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. So we're going to stand and
1: we're going to sing, um, May the mind of Christ my Saviour. So I think this is very appropriate. Karen picked this and she didn't know what I was going to be speaking on. So I think this this is very, very appropriate. May the mind of Christ my Savior. to continue um, our series on Philippians. Uh, Philippians, and we're looking at this morning at Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. Just a little recap, because a couple of weeks since we've been here uh, doing Philippians. Uh, Paul's in prison in Rome, and many are discouraged by that. But Paul (coughs) sees God doing a work amongst the prison guards. Uh, As far as Paul is concerned with God, there are no obstacles, there are only opportunities. Uh, There's a memorable line by the poet, he's a chaplain, as well as a poet, Frederick Langbridge, and uh, he, he speaks in this poem about two men in a prison. It could be any two men. But he says, Two men looked through the bars, One saw the mud, And the other the stars. And in this case, it's Paul who sees the stars. And seeing from God's perspective, sitting in a prison cell, he sees that God is doing his work even amongst the prison guards. And from a prison cell, he tries to encourage the church back at Philippi. Philippians chapter two, verses one to four. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Let's pray a moment. Thank you, God, for sending Jesus. And Jesus, thank you that you came. Holy Spirit, please teach us more about his lovely name. Teach us, help us to see Jesus. Amen. You being much concerned about the rise of denominations in the church, John Wesley he tells of a dream that he had one night. In the dream, he was ushered to the gates of hell. There, he asked, he shouted in, "Are there any Presbyterians there?" "Yes," came the, came the reply. And then he asked, "Are there any Baptists? Any Episcopalians? Any Methodists?" And the answer was yes each time. And much distressed, Wesley was then ushered to the gates of heaven. And then he asked the same question. Are there any Presbyterians here? No, came the reply. Are there any Baptists? No. Any Episcopalians? No. Any Methodists? No. To this, Wesley asked, who then is inside heaven? And the answer came back, there are only Christians here. The theologian Karl Barth is very insightful when he points out that any of the letters that Paul wrote in response to, we're all in response to problems uh, within different churches. There's no perfect church, there's no perfect denomination. What matters is being a child of God, a follower of Christ. In every letter that he writes, it's to do with responding to internal problems within the church. The church in Galatia, the church in Ephesus, the church in Corinth, the church in Colossae, the church in Philippi. And he begins these verses in Philippians chapter 2 with an emotional appeal. He
2: reminds them of four things that happened when they first came to faith in Jesus Christ. He writes verse 1, Therefore, if there is any encouragement from being
1: united with Christ, if any comfort from his love if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion. Encouragement, the Oxford English Dictionary uh, defines encouragement as the action of giving someone support, comfort, hope. And Paul is saying here, do you remember when you first came to faith in Jesus Christ? How Christ gave you comfort, how Christ gave you support, how Christ gave you hope. I remember reading an article in the Reader's Digest uh, about a man who opened his door one morning to get his newspaper, uh, which was normally left on the step. Uh, to his surprise, he found a strange little dog sitting there wagging its tail with his newspaper in his mouth, and he was so delighted to find this new delivery service that uh, he, he fed him some treats. So the next day, he went out to get his paper, and he opened the door. And he found the same little dog sitting in front of the door wagging his tail with eight newspapers surrounding him. (laughs) Even a little bit of encouragement goes a long way, doesn't it? It lifts you and it motivates you and it can bring a smile to your face in time of tears. You know, when you came to faith in Christ, Paul is saying, you... You started off he encouraged you you find forgiveness you find a cleansing you could start afresh you were able to turn over a new leaf and know that he was with you encouragement but then he says if you have any comfort comfort paul says do you remember the comfort you received from the love that he gave you do you remember that a little girl came home from a neighbor's house where her little friend had died.
2: Why did you go, her father asked her, to comfort the mother. Well, what could you do to comfort her?
1: And she replied, I climbed into her lap and cried with her. And when we come to faith in Christ, there are many of us who come to faith in Christ and we're not proud of the situations that we're in. We're ashamed of some of the situations that we've been in. but when we come to Christ, there's forgiveness. When we come to Christ, he doesn't come with a no, He doesn't come with condemnation. There is no condemnation. He doesn't come with such things as you shouldn't have done that. Or did you not realize that that was wrong? Did you not realize that was going to happen? He doesn't come with any of that stuff? He just comes with comfort. He, there's a comfort that comes from his understanding. And that understanding comes from his love.
2: And there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Do you remember that comfort? Also,
1: common sharing in the Spirit. It's another way of saying fellowship. Do you remember that? Fellowship. He uses the word koinonia. spoke another day about this. Canonia. the original meaning was to describe two little Siamese twins joined together, both with the same life force and the same heartbeat, some of them, joined together. And you see, the Spirit of God in you and the Spirit of God in me brings us together from different backgrounds and makes us brothers and sisters in Christ, a family family. Of God.
2: Common sharing in the Spirit. Paul says, Do you remember that when you first came to Christ? Finding that spiritual family.
1: You know, what I love about this church more than anything else is how people look out for one another. You know, we're living in days which are are difficult days, really tough, and they're going to get tougher. And we're going to have to look out for those within this congregation to make sure that the support is there for those who are struggling. And those who are quietly struggling, many won't notice. And to go then beyond these four walls. You know, maybe I was thinking during the week, maybe the call to love our neighbours as much as we love ourselves is going to be more relevant than it has ever been in our lifetime.
2: Do you remember, Paul says, the
1: fellowship that you had when you first found your spiritual family? And then tenderness and compassion.
2: Do you remember the tenderness and compassion when you came to Christ? It can also be translated affection and sympathy. You know, when
1: God met Moses on Sinai at the burning bush, God had such sympathy and compassion. He said, I have heard, I've indeed seen the misery of
2: my people in Egypt, I've heard them crying and I'm concerned about their suffering. He sends Moses for them, but he goes further than Moses for us. He sends Christ that
1: sin might be defeated, that darkness might be put back in its place, that death might be conquered and life and freedom restored. I came to give you life, And to give you it in abundance, I want you to enjoy what I have to give you. Do you remember that? Do you remember Christ? Do you remember his tenderness back in the early days when you first met him? Do you remember his compassion, his affection, his sympathy for you? Paul writes, therefore, if there is any encouragement from being united with Christ... If any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit of any tenderness and compassion, then
2: pass it on. Be like him. Pass it on. Verse 2. Then
1: make my joy, says Paul, complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind
2: as Paul likes to use to describe the church is family. Family. Closeness. Caring. Trust. Being
1: able to allow the barriers to come down and know that you'll be loved unconditionally. Remember Paul in chapter 1 verse 27 He writes, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Here he calls the church here to be like-minded, having the same love that he has, being one in spirit and of one mind, being united. It's a plea from Paul to be gospel-oriented in our relationships. In a way that we relate to and care for one another, In a way that whenever we're relating to one another, that we're we're ever conscious that Jesus Christ is right with us. So don't mistreat one another, because
2: Christ is at your shoulder. Our relationships within this body should honor one another, not give others outside a reason not to follow Christ. How
1: does Christ treat us? Paul says, so then treat one another the same. Be like-minded. Have the mind of Christ. If you do that, says Paul, my heart will be bursting with joy if you do that. You know, there's too much hurt and rejection and pain in this world.
2: Let's not let it flow over into the church. May this be a place where people feel safe.
1: May this be a place where they feel safe from judgmental attitudes, safe from gossip. May it be a place where people can be themselves
2: and feel loved unconditionally. John Wesley once said, I want the whole Christ
1: for my Savior, the whole Bible for my book, the whole church for my fellowship, and the whole world for my mission field. But finally, verse 3 to verse 4, Paul writes, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests
2: of the others. That's difficult, isn't it? That's really difficult. Difficult. Especially when society, and society we're taught to be proud.
1: And we're taught to, be, to achieve big things. Where so often people, their success rate is, is, is judged by the size of their house or the model of their car or how big their bank balance is. And such an attitude, it's hard to keep that attitude out of the church. It can easily flow over in the church life. It's it's, it's difficult, therefore, to turn our backs on selfish ambition, even in a church setting. But Paul says, do nothing out of selfish ambition and vain conceit. Vain conceit is surely the root of selfish ambition. Vain conceit can literally be translated empty glory. Do nothing out of empty glory in church life. Do it because you love Christ. Do it because you want to honor and glorify him. There seems to have been a self-centered group within the church at Philippi. See, that was one of the internal problems. They were preoccupied with being perfect, this little group. And Paul seems to address it in particular in chapter 3, verse 12, when he tells them, listen, I'm the apostle, but... I haven't arrived there yet. I'm not perfect yet. I still haven't experienced everything that Jesus died to give me. I'm not there yet, but he says, forgetting what is behind, I press on towards the goal. So that seems to be, there was a problem in Philippi. There was this little group. They were very haughty. They were very looking down at other people and feeling, we're perfect. We've arrived. We have reached that perfection. And Paul had to speak against that. So, in contrast, Paul says, in contrast to that, to that pride,
2: Paul calls for humility. He says, Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Up until the
1: time of Jesus, humility was seen to be something that was scorned upon. Like it was a weakness, that it was feeble people that were humble. And it wasn't until Jesus came and started to speak about humility that suddenly people realized this is a value, this is a characteristic, this is a godly value that we should have. Um, Didn't Jesus say, whoever is great among you shall be your servant? You know, true humility—it's not about having low self-esteem. We want people to have self-esteem. How can you love others if you don't have a
2: love for yourself? Humility is not having a low self-esteem, but humility is about seeing yourself in the light of who God is. Like seeing yourself in the light
1: of who God is. Like Moses, when he met God on Mount Sinai,
2: and God called him, he says, who am I? When Isaiah met him, he said, woe is me. And when Peter met him, when Peter met Christ, Peter went,
1: depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Humility is seeing who you are, in the light of who God is. And yet, how amazing it is that he loves us
2: with every imperfection that we have. Just in closing, Romans 12, verse 10, Paul writes, Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another
1: above yourselves. It's changing the mindset from how am I to how are you. It's changing the mindset from how valuable am I to how valuable are you? And earlier in this chapter in Romans, Paul writes, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And here in Philippians 2, he writes, do nothing out of selfish ambition because we've learned in this world to be selfish. It's what we have learned to do from our
2: culture. Paul says, rather in humility, value others, value others above yourselves. Jesus washes his disciples' feet. He
1: says, I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. I would love this to be my DNA and to be this church's
2: DNA, loving God first and then loving others above ourselves. What an impact that would be on the people that we meet. Now what wonderful kindness was shown to my family and I when we came here. I will never forget it.
1: And may God give us the strength and the grace, not to bottle such
2: kindness, but to pour it out upon our community. to pour it out in the wee woman up the street there who's struggling with her own health, to pour it out in that woman or that man who's suffering from depression or cancer, and they feel so alone. Jesus calls us and Paul calls us to pour it out, As John was saying last week, as we love more, God gives us more love in us to eventually then give away.
1: Paul writes elsewhere in 1 Corinthians, and I finish with this verse, let no one seek his own good but the good of his neighbour. This is living a life worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, I wish, just like Larry Walters, I wish, God, I could ascend, but ascend not just 11,000 feet. I wish I could ascend into your very kingdom, into heaven, and for you to show us, Lord, a a map of and area, a map of Bangor, for us to see the problems and the difficulties and the hurts behind the blinds as the blinds are down behind the shut doors, the people that are struggling, the people that are hurting.
2: Father, if only we could see it. We pray, Father, that you would share your heart with us, that we might feel such compassion as you have shown us, such forgiveness as you have shown us such comfort and tenderness as you have shown us. In Jesus' name, we thank
1: you for your grace. (coughs) Amen. We're going to finish with uh, King of Kings, Majesty. may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore.